Uh, next Sunday is our Heck Jones offering and gathering. Our goal is $3,000, and uh, there are some offering envelopes in the backs of the pews if you would like to use one for this week or next week. And I would like to call your attention to the insert inside the bulletin. Uh, check, out, check out about our support of the American Cancer Society, the Relay for Life. We do support that each year, and there's some details there. And uh, you can check with Diane Rabin or the office for more information. There's also a little form for Easter lilies must say that it will only be a couple of weeks to order this. So if you'd like to put an Easter lily in honor or in memory of someone special during the holiday and on Easter Sunday, please fill out one of those forms. Get it to the office. You can put it in the offering plate or get it to the office today or in the next couple of weeks, rather. The ladies' choir is singing for us this morning. So if anybody forgot about it and they want to come up and sing... Now's your chance. Come on. Come on down. Teresa would be glad. So, and it's going to be easy, an easy medley. So, And then last but not least, our I'm going to tell you about the missions moment, which is supposed to be following me. It's actually going to be an introduction of our special morning speaker this morning. And it's going to be given by Bonnie Dowdy, who is our missionary from South Africa, who's been home with us since December. And just wanted to remind you about a shower for her next weekend, next Sunday. We're having a gift card shower, gift card, and it's in your bulletin about where a gift card, or she'll accept cash, of course. So <laughs> that would help with her appliances, really. And we all invite you to come, men, women, does not matter. It's a shower for everyone, and we hope to see you there. It's from 2 to 3.30 in our fellowship hall next Sunday. Again, welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. Bonnie? Thank you, Betsy. I'm combining the mission moment and the introduction of our speaker today. A building is only as strong as its foundation. And Boiling Springs Baptist Church helps to build a foundation, which is very important in the spiritual lives of children. And GAs is a part of that. I'm a product of being a GA. I went back and realized that I was a sunbeam many years ago, and our speaker today has also been a GA. And GAs are where girls and the RAs with the guys get their strong missions education. They learn about missionaries. They hear stories of what missionaries have done. They they get to meet missionaries from time to time, and they get to see that. And you don't know who in our church right now that's in GAs or RAs that might be called to be a missionary someday. And they don't have to go overseas to be a missionary. They can be a missionary right here. They can go to school. And all of us should be missionaries as we think about that. I can remember as a GA when I was about 9 or 10, I told my GA leaders that one day I wanted to be a medical missionary. Well, the medical part never came in, Dr. Jean, but the, the missionary part did. And 19 years ago today, I arrived in South Africa on a mission trip, never knowing that I would be living there. Sorry. And the Lord changed my life. 
And I got to go there and live for 17 years. Our speaker today also grew up as a preacher's kid and a GA, and she has MKs, two missionary kids who are grown now. And Amy Boone uh, grew up and moved around a lot with her dad being a preacher, and she was in GAs. She went to Samford University and also Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And Mike, her husband, who is here with her today, too, and Amy felt the call to missions, and they responded, and they lived in Mozambique for five years. And because of some health issues, they had to leave Mozambique, and then they came to South Africa. And that's where they came and studied Tulsa. They had studied Portuguese and spoke Portuguese in Mozambique, and then they came and studied Tulsa for a year in Grahamstown, where Rhodes University is, and then they moved to Cape Town, and that's where we were together. We served together for, for a number of years there. And Amy and I share a little bit. I'll let her share about being partners in crime if she wants to. But Amy has had a heart for missions all her life. She recently served with the National WMU as an adult consultant. And she just, the 1st of January, became the executive director treasurer. Is that correct? Of the North Carolina WMU. So it's great to have her here she and I served together and went to a handicapped school for many years, Noma Clabiso, uh, and were able to share with the handicapped children and the teachers there. And also in Linge, Mike and Amy uh, served at Linge School and, and many of the schools here in Cape Town as they share with Tulsa students and everything. She's also an author of the book, Stones from the Riverbed, uh, Experiencing God, God's Grace in Mozambique. And it's a privilege to have Amy and Mike here today, and, and I haven't seen them in, in a while, and it's good to have them. And I hope you'll enjoy listening to her and, and share and welcoming her as our new Executive Director Treasurer of North Carolina WMU.
Let's stand together as we sing hymn number 594, Lift High the Cross. invite the children to come forward for lessons on the steps. Good morning. How are y'all this morning? Miss Georgia, how are you? Good. Good. I have something over here in my cup. Do you know what these are? Flowers. flowers. You know what kind of flowers? Daisies. Do they make you feel good? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty, aren't they? Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? I want you to hold this one. Okay. Hold on tight. 
The daisy is also sometimes used by people who are in love. Do you know what they do? You little girls used to do this. And they would say, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And they go all the way around this flower. But you know what happens if they get to the end of the flower and it says he loves me not? They get another flower and they start all over. <laughs> now see, you see this couple sitting right up here on the end? That's Alan and Mary. And they're the newest couple I could think of. And I wonder, so he's a youth minister, if Mary did the love me or the love me not on Alan when they were first starting to date. Okay? Maybe they did and maybe they didn't. All right, there's another person in your life. Okay, let's wait one minute. All right, there's another person that we love. And I wonder if we need to go, God loves us. God doesn't love us. We don't need to do that, do we? God loves us completely. We don't ever have to ask him. We don't ever have to say, do you love me, God, or don't you love me? Because he loves us completely. He loves us from the morning to the night, all through the night, and back in the morning again. He loves us because we love him. He gave us his son, so we know he loves us. He is our special guardian. So we don't need to take a look at the daisy and say, God, do you love me? Because he says, I love you and I gave you my son because of it. So just remember when you see a daisy and you're a little bit older, Aiden, and Hayden, and you have that special girl, pick up a daisy and say, do you love me or don't you love me? And you get to the end, get you a new one and start over because you know they probably do. All right, before I pray, I remind the older, the first through fourth graders, if they want to go to worship, we'll be going to the fellowship hall. So let us pray. Lord, we know we love you. You know we love you. And we know we don't ever have to doubt it. If we did, we'd look in these children's faces. We'd see the glisten in their eyes and the love on their face. We'd see them here worshiping with us. And we say thank you. We love you, God. And we love the gift that you've given us, your son. And it is through him we say thank you. Amen. Stand again as we sing 581. We have heard the joyful sound.
Good morning. I'm sorry to interrupt the consistency of the female presence here on the platform this morning, uh, but uh, the, I was told by others this morning that, no, Pastor, you, you should do the morning prayer. So uh, we are glad that you are here today. We really are. And uh, Mike and Amy, we're glad that you're here. I know uh, Mike and Amy have some friends here as well from Second Baptist and maybe some others in the community, uh, but we are glad that each of you are here this morning. We're excited about what God is going to do as we continue to worship him. I do need to let you know of a few prayer concerns before I pray, and uh, many of you know John Cannon. He will be having knee surgery tomorrow here in Shelby, and so let's be mindful of him. Also, as Bob Blackburn continues to regain his strength here in Shelby at White Oak, let's remember him. Wilda Perrin, as she continues to uh, go through treatments with cancer, and uh, we very much want to remember her. And also this morning, let's continue to remember several families that are suffering from grief today. Uh, not only uh, Vicki Whitfield, whose uh, mother passed away recently, but also um, Diane Rabin, whose grandson passed away, and let's be mindful of her and her family, and also the family of Ezra Edgerton, um, whose mother passed away in Clinton, North Carolina, on Friday. And so please join me now in prayer as we go to the Lord. Lord, we're reminded of the psalmist this morning who prayed, who said, as the deer pants for the water, so our souls for you, O God, for the living God. So, Father, in your mercy and in your grace, grant us your presence this morning. Father, you know the heart and the mind of each one in this place, and you know what we bring into this place today, Father. We may be distracted over concerns at home, maybe things to deal with family or our jobs or finances, uh, questions that seem unanswered in our lives right now. Uh, Lord, uh, issues that seem unresolved. Father, we ask for these next few moments that you would grant us with your peace. And as your presence ministers to us, Father, may you encourage us, may you challenge us. If direction is needed in lives this morning, Father, we pray that as we meet with you, we would have a, a better sense, a clearer sense of how we can respond in the midst of our situations that we're involved in right now. Father, I pray for these families today who are dealing with grief. Father, a very painful and a difficult time. I pray, Lord, you would comfort them and would encourage them, that you would be that presence that the good shepherd is to the sheep, and that, Father, you would walk with them through this very difficult time. Father, for those who are needing your touch physically this morning, I pray that you would touch their bodies. Lord, for those here in this place and those homebound and those within our nursing homes and hospitals, we pray for John Cannon as he prepares for his surgery tomorrow that things would be successful. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence in each of our lives. We're thankful for our church family. And Lord, teach us more about what it means to follow you, what it means to love you. And Father, today challenge us of what it means to be on mission for you. Lord, here in our local community and in our state, in our nation, and around our world. We're so thankful for Bonnie Dowdy's and Amy Boone's and Mike's, Mike Boone and others, Lord, who um, serve you not only here in North Carolina, but Father, throughout our country and throughout our world. And so, Father, bless all of our missionaries today who serve you many in very remote and dangerous places. Father, grant them uh, provision and uh, provide safety for them as well and a fruitful ministry. Lord, we love you. We thank you for orchestrating this today. We thank you for each person who has a part in the service today. Bless us now as we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. amen.
us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your many blessings. Help us remember that whatever we go through, you hold us by the hand. You never desert us. You have given us a network of brothers and sisters in Christ with this body of believers. Lord, help us to show our thankfulness to you now by giving generously and working hard to further your kingdom. These things we pray in your son's precious name. Amen. Good morning, church family. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, reading verses 1 through 9. Mark, chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. The Gospel of John tells us that the woman referred to in these voices, in these verses, is Mary, Mary, the sister of Lazarus. And Martha. And as as I was reflecting on this scripture and reading through it, it made me look inward. It made me examine myself and my devotion. How do I demonstrate my devotion to my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ? Now, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. And the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. 
While Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and she poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I thank God for the privilege of reading from his word this morning. Jesus, Jesus. 
very much a privilege for me to to be with you. It's so good to be back in Boiling Springs. We came here after we um, left Africa in 2010, and we were missionaries in residence. And um, it is just this is our first time back since we have left here, and it's such a special place. And um, so thank you for for being here today. Um, we do have many dear friends here, and it is a delight to be in your church. Thank you that you are a church that is strong in supporting WMU in your church. It's so wonderful to see the girls in action. I know you have RAs, and I know you have some of the women on mission groups. And I just want to say thank you for supporting the WMU of North Carolina. And I hope to share with you a little bit about that um, today. The purpose of WMU is to involve and get everybody to help fulfill the Great Commission. We know that those were the last words of Jesus, and they are still true today, and they are still our highest calling to fulfill the Great Commission. It was a benefit as as my husband and I and Bonnie as we served in Africa to be a recipient of many of the gifts of WMU to missionaries. When we moved to Mozambique, we could not drink water out of, a, out of the, um, the faucet, and we had to filter all of our water. Um, we didn't have to do that in Cape Town, but we did um, in the first country, and those were provided by the Women's Missionary Union, and that just, those kept us alive. Uh, we had to cook with it, um, uh, brush our teeth with that water, drink that water, and we were able to share that water with many of our neighbors that did not have clean water. The missionary prayer calendar is something that I think every missionary will tell you is the greatest blessing, even higher than that paycheck that we would get at the end of the month. It was just knowing that people prayed for us, and um, I hope that's a practice that you do in your personal devotions to pray for those missionaries that have um, birthdays. Also, through those magazines, they tell our story. I know Bonnie has been featured, we've been featured, and it's just so wonderful um, for what we're doing over there in Africa for girls and boys and adults to be reading about what we're doing. I remember when we were featured, I was doing a baseball ministry in Mozambique, um, and it was just very exciting. So all the RAs got very excited about providing me with baseballs, and I think I was able to give about every child in that country um, a baseball from from the RA uh, groups getting excited about that baseball ministry. So to tell our story, because we We don't want to be just over there doing our own thing. We want you to know what we're doing and how you can partner with us. So to tell our story um, is a wonderful ministry. Also, the WMU group sent many volunteer teams and care packages. Boy, we loved those care packages. And then when our MKs come back home to go to college, they have a retreat for them. You know, when MKs come back to America, this is not their home. It's the home of their parents, and they have a very hard time coming back to America. And I think about the many that had to take the VRI like Bonnie did and have to leave their country. Many of them were born there, and America is not their home, and they actually have to have a retreat to help them to know how to live in America again. Um, We don't understand the American sports anymore, uh, the TV shows, and they feel very left out. So this retreat is a wonderful way to help them. 
And then also the parents of missionaries go through a, a, go through a very difficult time. And the WMU provides support groups for the missionary parents. You know, I mean, how would you like it if your parent, your children just come to you and say, you know, they're moving overseas and you're not going to see them but once every three years? I mean, you really would need some support. And so the WMU tries to do that. Here in North Carolina, we have a very strong WMU. I want you to, to be aware of that. It's one of the strongest in the United States. And I know you might hear that some churches don't have WMU anymore or it's a thing of the past, but that is really not true. I would say that WMU North Carolina is very much alive and well. One of the main things that we do is we have nine different consultants. And so if a church wants to start a GA group, we have people on staff that would walk alongside that church and help them know um, how to do a GA group or how to do an RA group or a mission friends. So we have consultants for all the different age groups. Then we have training events and great celebrations. Uh, Bonnie and Mike and I are going to be speaking at Ridgecrest the first weekend in April and would just love for a group from this church to come to that missions extravaganza. We have a very, very exciting time there. So if you haven't signed up, uh, go to the website and I hope you will come and join us. Also in Ashboro, we have, um, sometimes people say it's the best kept secret of WMU and that is the beautiful Camp Munda Vista. And we have uh, GA camps, acting camps, uh, mother and daughter. And we really want to expand that camp to if you want to go on a marriage retreat or have a staff retreat or a Sunday school um, you know, retreat or something, a deacon retreat, we really do want to promote that camp. Um, Caraway, you know, is across the street. It receives a lot of funding through the Baptist Convention. Um, it's more expensive to stay there. And we're just trying to promote our little camp across the street um, that you can stay at for about half the price, um, but still have the beautiful retreat setting. So we hope that if your GAs are not signed up, that they will get signed up to the camp um, this summer. At that, at Camp Munda Vista, we have a retreat every year also for women prisoners. They are allowed to leave the prison um, because of good behavior, and we have um, a retreat for incarcerated women. We also do the Angel Tree Camp there at Camp Munda Vista. These are for children whose parents are incarcerated. Then we do a retreat for military wives. Military wives suffer greatly. You know, many of them cannot be on social media anymore. Many of them have had to change their name. We have somebody on our staff, and um, we can only call her Jen B., because her husband is at Fort Bragg in a very secure situation. So the military wives, we're trying to reach out to them. We also have retreats for the deaf and for the blind. There's a, a, a blind women on mission group, and uh, we do a lot for them. Also this year, we're going to seven different countries. We have partnerships with Armenia and Guatemala, and um, the list just goes on and on. So if you ever would like to go on a mission trip, those are also on our, our website. And we also do um, habitat builds um, as well. Now, the offering that we take is called the Heck Jones Offering. 
And you can imagine we get many jokes about that. Um, who in the heck is Fanny Heck, people say, um, which is not a very nice thing to say, but that's what people say. She was um, a lady of great privilege and wealth that lived in Raleigh. Her father was a commander in the Civil War, and she was, um, just at a young age, felt God calling her into missions. She never married, but she was the first president of the, of, the, of the Missionary Union of North Carolina, and she served for 30 years. Then she became the national president of the whole United States and served for 15 years before she died at a very young age. She started GAs. She started RAs. She started the missionary prayer calendar. She started the magazine that was now called the Mosaic. Back then it was called the Royal Service. And she said that she was so glad that she had slaves and a big family because she would um, print that magazine in her home. And all of the people would mail it out and put the pages together and and all of that. She worked with the poor children in Raleigh for um, all of those years. And the offering is named after her and her dear friend Sally Jones, who also served for 50 years with the WMU of North Carolina. I just want to remind you that the WMU of North Carolina receives no other funds through the cooperative program or through the Baptist State Convention, we are completely a partner with the um, Baptist State Convention. So we do ask you next week when you have your in-gathering that you do consider all of these ministries that I've mentioned. They are ongoing and very active, and we do hope that you will consider um, giving next week. I know last week you got um, our prayer guide, and if you might have just been busy this week and put that aside, I encourage you to read the stories each day. Um, They are just really delightful um, about this passage that was just read. If you want to open your Bibles back to Mark 14, we are going to be looking at this passage. I love how scripture always gives us a time frame. We know exactly what day this event happened. If you think of Palm Sunday being on Sunday and Easter being on the next Sunday, this happened on Wednesday in the middle of that week. People were very busy in Jerusalem getting ready for the Passover For the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were having to remove all the leaven from their house to remember the time when they quickly had to flee from Egypt. Now, there's a lot of things happening politically in the the area. They are wanting to kill Jesus. John actually tells us that they're wanting to kill Lazarus as well because people are knowing that he was dead And they're upset that people are coming to seek him and and find him and see that he really was risen from the dead. Many writers feel that Mary's name was not written because she was the, the sister of Lazarus who they were trying to kill. So she is just listed in many passages as um, a woman. Now this story is told right um, in between, it's sandwiched between two terrible events. The first is the Pharisees plotting to kill Jesus. I mean, who could kill a man like Jesus? It's just absolutely mind-blowing. 
and then right after this act of love that Mary did, you have Judas betraying Jesus. And again, how could a man do that who had lived and walked with Jesus for three years? So this is sandwiched. This act of extravagant love is sandwiched in the middle of these two very, very sad happenings. We know that they are all at the home of Simon the leper. What that tells us is that Jesus had touched Simon the leper. Simon the leper, who we don't know um, in scripture, he would not have a house if he still had leprosy. He would be in the fields crying out, unclean, unclean. He would not be able to prepare food. It's probably... um, The reason that maybe Mary and Martha are actually visiting him is he is still unable to prepare food because he was once unclean. But Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Simon are sitting in Simon's home having a meal. Mary comes and performs this great act of um, extravagant love these people had their lives had all been touched by Jesus and i can see them rather cowering in this house of refuge fearful of all of the things that are going around they say that up to a million people would come to jerusalem during passover so there are people everywhere they're walking to and fro trying to get the proper sacrifices trying to get the proper food for the the festival, and then everybody is talking about Jesus dying, Lazarus dying, and these people are in Simon's home, a place of refuge, a place where he was loved, adored, his friends, people whose lives he had touched, and they share a meal together. Prophetically, Mary probably had been able to hear that Jesus would not be around long. She had heard that he was going to be killed. You know, a man that eats with lepers, a man that eats and befriends prostitutes, a man that loves children, a man that chastised the Pharisees, and a man that would allow a woman to touch him with her hair, she knew was not long for this world. He was too different. He was too different in the the way that he loved people. And she knew that his death was imminent. She took a jar of ointment that was worth an entire year's salary. She was probably keeping it for the burial of herself or somebody in her family. You think about giving an offering to the Lord that cost you an entire year's salary. The Bible tells us that this was a beautiful thing. Now, there were other people in the house, not just those five that I have mentioned, but there were some in the house that possibly weren't on board because they, um, they treated her harshly and says, what a waste and what a terrible thing you have done. And Jesus called it a beautiful thing. Jesus tells us here that wherever the gospel is preached, this story would be be told. Today in Boiling Springs, you are hearing of this lady. Today in great cathedrals in Europe, they are hearing of this lady 
Today, in underground churches in China, people are hearing about this lady. In Africa, where they're meeting under trees, they're hearing about this lady. You see, this group of people thought that the kingdom of God was going to come when God and Jesus killed their enemies, the Romans. Little did they know that the kingdom of God was going to come from the death of their best friend, Jesus. And it was just going to happen in two days. They were waiting for the death for Jesus to kill the Romans, and yet the kingdom of God was going to come by the death of this dear man that they loved so dearly. I think from this story we learn three great things, if you'll bear with me as I close Um, the truths, I believe, that we can learn from this story. You know, we hear the word beauty. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that word beauty. I think about the, all of us women think about the women that we have to look at on the pages of the magazines as we're in the checkout line that have all been photoshopped, and we're all thinking, why don't I look like that? That's what many of us are thinking about beauty. Maybe you guys have a a special sports car in your garage, an old car. Maybe your home. Maybe those are what you're thinking about is beauty. Um, But beauty doesn't last. Those women on the magazines of those covers, um, they're going to grow old. I sometimes see those beautiful houses on the coast of North Carolina, the beautiful beach houses that you know are sometimes up to a million dollars, and then they're just swept away by one wave. You see, beauty doesn't last. We cannot pour all of our money into a home or a sports car or even our own looks because beauty is not going to last. Jesus was one of those people that always redefined words. He redefines the word beauty. He says this act is beautiful. Now, why would this act be called beautiful? Why does he say beautiful are the feet of them that preach good news? He has redefined the word beautiful. He said, woe to the Pharisees who look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, they're just skin and bones. You see, he took this word beautiful and he changed the meaning of it. He did that a lot. When you think about the word murder, you know, you and I think about murder is killing somebody. He said, no, murder is when you even think a hateful thought against somebody. All of us think about what we know lust is. Lust is a physical action. But Jesus said, no, lust is just a thought. So this is the Jesus that is fixing to be killed because he was trying to redefine. He redefined everything. He redefined the term neighbor. You know, we like to think neighbor is our neighbors, those that live around us, our family. But then he told the parable of the Samaritan, and we found that our neighbor might be a despised person. And in that day and age, it was the Samaritans. So Jesus was all about redefining the words in the Bible. 
The second truth that I get from this story is that all all Jesus wants from each of us is that we love him. Many who sat around his feet were were Mary. This is the same Mary who sat at Jesus' feet before while Mary was flitting around trying to prepare him a nice meal. You know, Jesus doesn't want um, our list of impressive credentials. You know, maybe um, you have a great heritage. I know I'm very proud of my heritage, but that doesn't mean anything to, to God. I can't go to him and say, look at who, who my parents and grandparents were. Look at my resume. Look at my heritage. Look at my credentials. Look at my education. Jesus doesn't look at those things. He asked Paul after he denied him, do you love me? He didn't say, who was your teacher? Oh, yeah, you were taught by the great, greatest Jewish um, Pharisee. No, he said, Paul, do you love me? And I think that is what Jesus is asking us today. Do you love me? Not do you go to church Not do you carry your Bible to church, but do you love me? Because you see, once you love somebody, we don't really have to have classes about how to witness. If you love somebody, you talk about him. We don't need to have classes so much about spending time with God or you need to do this, making people feel guilty. If you love Jesus, you're going to spend time with him. So the question that he is asking is, do you love me? And Mary did. The last thing is we hear about Mary is that she has left a legacy for us around the world. You know, each of us are going to leave a legacy, whether we want to or not. We are going to pass on and people are going to talk about us. People are going to say, wow, they were a nice person. You know, they loved their family. They, they went to church. But what are they going to really say about you? You know, I love this little poem. It says, only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Being a good person, being a good family man, all of those things are excellent. But what is going to last? Because, see, Jesus has redefined what is going to last. He's redefined that. We can lay up treasures on earth or we can lay up treasures in heaven. So I hope this story will be a reminder to you. Um, There are many um, lessons taken from this booklet about this story. And I hope that um, we take away from this that Jesus just wants us to love him, perform acts of love, And that is what WMU is all about. We want to help people to know to love the world, to love those that are lost, to love the poor, and to serve Jesus through that. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for this story that reminds us of there was a woman who was very intuitive about what was about to happen. It seemed that nobody around her was really able to realize what was going to happen in just two days' time. 
and yet she was beginning to prepare your body for your burial and that you called that a beautiful thing. I so want my life to be a beautiful thing to you, not the way that I look, not the car that I drive or my house, but I want you to look at me on the inside and say, that is a beautiful person. I want you to see my thoughts. I want you to see my motives. I want you to see whether I truly love you or not. And I just ask that each of us will fall in love with you again, not to have a lukewarm love, but to have a a very hot love for you. God, I thank you for this church. I pray that they will continue to be on mission in their community and that they will remember the missionaries around the world, around our state, and they will be concerned about those that have never heard of the greatest story ever told. In Jesus' name, amen.